0: In church what is not are you excited to be in church today man hey why don't you take 15 seconds can we give Jesus our best praise and our best worship he's the reason we're here Why you stay standing at all of our locations. We're going to read God's word in just a second, but I just want to take a second and just tell you, I'm so honored to be with you. I've been praying about this day. I've been just believing God for some incredible things. I think you're here by divine appointment. It's not an accident that you logged in and you saw that church online or you, you showed up at one of those campuses. It's a divine appointment. God's got a plan for your life. So I'm expecting something big for you today. And before I get into it, let me just say this, because I'm going to look right at the camera, because I know they're going to watch. I love your pastors. Pastor Daniel and Tammy are the best of the best in all of the nation. I don't think you understand it but you're in one of the premier churches in America. And when I got to do my doctoral program and I was sitting next to the one and only Pastor Daniel Floyd, I'm sitting there like, this guy is like a giant in the faith. He's built one of the greatest churches in America. What I love about your pastors, let me just say this, not only uh, is he just such an unbelievable communicator, Pastor Tammy, I mean, she's the glue by the way that holds this whole thing together. We just love her, love that whole family. But let me just say this, They're they're men and women of integrity. They, They believe character matters in a world that just has kind of thrown character out this side. They believe character matters. They're people of holiness. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that our pastor is a man of holiness and a woman of holiness. So we honor them, we love them. Their truly best days are ahead of them. So can we honor one more time our pastors, Pastor Daniel and Tammy, we love you guys. So what I've heard about LifePoint is that this is a church that'll shout me down and it's a church that loves God's word. So are y'all ready to get into God's word today? I'm ready to preach it. Now here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to let the familiarity of this passage rob you of some fresh revelation of what God wants to give you. Because this is a word that I believe is straight from God. And so it's a parable. uh, The way that Jesus told stories, he told them in things called parables. And this parable could be the most popular one and most famous parable in all of the scriptures. It's been written about for 2,000 years. It's been dissected. It's been preached about. And I believe God's got a word from your life about it today. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 15. Let's stay for the reading of God's word. And I just think that God's got something big for you. Luke 15, verse 11. I like you cheering for God's word. That was a good one. People have died for this word. They, they, they give their life for it. I think it's worth cheering about. Amen. Verse 11, 11, chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus told him a story. He said, a man had two sons. How many sons did he have? He had two. Very good. You're with me. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Ouch. Come on, how many know that's how you know the mama is not in the house? Because if the mama was in the house, come on, help me out, mamas, that boy would have had his mouth washed out with soap right there. But the dad kind of bought into this idea and it says, so the father agreed to divide his wealth between the sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his stimulus money (laughs) that money's been long gone from some of y'all's bank accounts come on he wasted all of his money on wild living and about the time the money ran out a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve and he persuaded a local farmer to hire him and he sent men into the fields to feed the pigs and the younger man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him and no one gave him anything. But when he finally came to his senses, look at me at every location, this is my prayer over your life today, that the Holy Spirit's gonna quicken your heart, that you finally come to your senses and realize, man, God's got something better in store for your life. He said to himself, even at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and I'm here dying of hunger i will go home to my father and say father i've sinned against both heaven and you i'm no longer worthy to be called your son please take me on as a hired hand and so he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off his father saw him coming and beat that boy with a stick come on parents if it was our story you know that was what we would do no 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 not our god not our god filled with love and compassion he ran to his son embraced him and kissed him isn't that the beautiful thing that we know about our god one more time verse 17 when he finally came to his senses he said to himself at home even the hired servants have enough food to spare and here i am dying of hunger i will go home if you're taking notes i want you to write down the title of today's message if you're not taking notes Write down the notes of the title of today's message and it's simply this title time to come home Time to come home. Come on somebody today. I don't know where you've wandered off to I don't know what this pandemic has done to you. There's somebody right now You need to throw that in the chat Somebody needs to share this on your page and just title it time to come home time to come home time to come home Jesus we thank you for bringing us to your church we thank you for life point. We thank you for Pastors Daniel and Tammy. And I pray that as we are ready to receive your word, that it would come in, it would change our life, and we would leave here in a few minutes forever changed. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says? Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, time to come home, and you can be seated. My wife and I, we've been married for 11 years now, and um, in 11 years, we planted a church, and that's a pretty awesome thing there in the Tampa Bay area, but not only have we planted a church, but we've had five children, and so I think we have a picture of our kids. I just think my family is just the cutest little family in all of the world. It's all by God's grace, and because my wife's beautiful, so that is my family right there. Uh, Four uh, girls, one boy, the little one in the middle, the boy, he needs to get saved. Pray for him and his deliverance in Jesus' name. But um, let me just tell you about those kids, because there are five kids, eight and under. Uh, I have an eight, six, four, two, and then a six-month-old. And let me just tell you how well we planned this thing, because the eight-year-old was born in July, the six-year-old was born in August, the four-year-old was born in September, the two-year-old was born in October, and you guessed it, my newborn was born in November. Your boy is a planner. I know what I'm doing. Okay, somebody. So I decided to do what dads do and parents do. I, I wanted to take my kids on a little road trip, a little adventure. So I decided to take them home. I was raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and so we we went to go visit what I had kind of hyped up to them was my old stomping ground. So I wanted to visit our old house and my school, the places I used to hang out. I don't know if you've ever had that journey kind of back home where you saw where you were raised. How many remember it's a lot smaller of a house than you thought it was. <laughs> I went and showed the kids the house. It was a little bit of a disappointment. I went to go show them the school. I went to an elementary school, and it had all been remodeled, and went to go show them the, the, the playgrounds I used to go play on. They're all new and sophisticated now. I was a little frustrated. I was trying to describe to my kids, listen, kids, this is what not what it was like living in the 80s. And they were like, well, Daddy, what was it like living in the 80s? And I want to know today across our campuses, do we have any people that were born, kind of raised in the 80s? Come on, where are my 80s people at? You're my people. You're my people. And let me just say, it's God's grace we're alive. It is. It is. It's not our parents. Our parents, I don't know how we, we survived this thing. I was trying to describe this to my kids. They were drinking a water bottle in the car while I'm talking to them about life in the 80s. And I said, do you see that thing in your hand? That's a water bottle. We didn't know what that was like. Let me tell you what, what drinking water was like when I was a kid. It was a little bit like this. That's what we drank water at right there. Somehow we made it. And then we go to McDonald's, these sophisticated playgrounds there at McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and they're all plastic and organized. I was telling my kids, no, 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 no. I remember going to McDonald's growing up. McDonald's growing up, the playground, come on, how many remember it? It looked a little bit like this. Y'all remember this world right here? You had to have a tetanus shot to get on McDonald's playground. It was rough. You fell, you were scratched up everywhere. It was just gross. Come on, you survived that, you can survive a lot. And Then I was describing playgrounds to them because my kids go on these playgrounds, they're like pirate ships that have been you know, organized and planned by scientists. I said, kids, that's not how we did it growing up. This is the playground in the 80s that we played on. It was this thing right there. And if you didn't die from climbing up that ladder, come on, how many know your legs burned the entire way down that thing? And I said, do you see where you're sitting right now, kids? You're, you're in the car seat. We didn't have those things growing up. We, well, my parents had this car that had a third row. Yes, it had a third row, but the third row wasn't like the SUVs of today. No, the third row was the back seat right there. You're facing backwards. You're looking out. You're throwing trash at the cars behind you. Come on, who decided to put the most vulnerable people at the most unsafe spot in the vehicle? Right there. And so my kids were so concerned. They're hearing this, they're like, Daddy, how did y'all survive this thing? And I said, Kids, it was only one reason why we survived the 80s. And it was that right there. That's why we survived the 80s right there. <laughs> Come on, how many remember popping five of those a day right there? All sugar, no vitamin, but we made it through. It's all nostalgic to kind of think about home, thinking about the fact that you are created for community, you're created for family, we're all created to belong. And our story today picks up with a boy who makes a crucial decision to leave his home. And I want us to walk through it today because I believe there's some lessons for your life. Verse 12, it says it like this, the younger son told his father, he says, I want my share of your estate before you die. Notice the connection there. He didn't say, hey, dad, I want us to do something together or or, let's go into business together. I I had this idea. He looks at his father and says, father, I don't care if you're dead. I just want my stuff. And I don't know about you, if I was the dad, I probably would handle it a little bit different than this dad did. And a few days later, the young son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. If you underline in your Bible, I want you to underline that word wasted right there. He decided to take what was his and say, you know what, I'm going to take this stuff and I'm going to to waste it on whatever the world has to offer. I I really believe the Holy Spirit brought me here today to encourage some people to help maybe even bring a course correction in some people's life that if you're not careful, your life will end up being wasted, that there's so much potential and there's so much destiny inside of you, but if we're not careful, we'll waste our life. And here's what it is, number one, write it down in your notes this way, that a Wasted life is one that pursues the resources from God without the relationship with God. Do you see that connection there in the passage? He says, hey, Dad, uh, listen, I want what you got, but I don't want you. And what I'm worried about in American Christianity is there's a lot of people that are showing up to church because they want what God's got, but they don't want him. And we come in and we say, you know what? My marriage is a wreck. Fix my marriage, God. Give me a healthy marriage. And the solution is really not for you to get five steps to a healthier marriage. It's for you to get the God of a healthy marriage involved in your marriage. (laughs) My finances are a wreck. Give me freedom, God. Come on, give me that, that money. And the solution is you'll end up being wasted even further down in the future. Why? Because you got the resources, but you didn't get the relationship. Can I encourage some people here today? God did not come and bring his son to this earth to die on the cross for you to get some stuff that's here today and gone tomorrow. He came to bring you a relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of the universe. And and let me give you some good news. Ready? If you get the relationship you always have access to the resources. (laughs) Everybody's all frustrated. You just got it out of place. And so why did this guy do this? What was the reason behind it? I really don't think he needed that stuff at that moment. Why would he come to his father and say, dad, give me my stuff. I don't even care if you're dead. Here's what I believe it is. And I believe it's an issue we all have. It's it wasn't that he had issues in his life that he needed resolved with that stuff. It's that he had a control problem. Really, all of our issues are rooted in the fact that we like to be in control. I don't know about you, I like to be in control. Uh, If I'm I'm not driving, I'm driving still, because I'm in control, somebody. I'm just, I have control. We all do, we all have these problems. We all like life our way. I remember uh, my oldest daughter, uh, she's eight now, but I remember when she's two. I decided to take her to this place called Chuck E. Cheese. Come on, how many have been to Chuck E. Cheese sometime in your life? All right, I don't know if you have these in Virginia, but we have them in Florida, and they are—they're rough. I don't know if you've been there, been there recently. I, I don't even like—they're just—they're rough. They're—they're they're, they're tough experience. We we call them Mickey's poor cousin because they're not. <laughs> they're, they both got the mouse, but it's just the one that didn't quite graduate high school. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just—it's rough. It's—it's it's a bad experience. It's all dirty. I remember taking my two-year-old there. She's like, "Daddy, I want the pizza." I'm like, "Trust me, you don't want the pizza. You don't. You don't. Don't touch stuff here, okay?" Well, Daddy, I want to play the games. No, I'll play the games. I'll win, and then we'll just get you your stuff. You know. So we had this moment uh, where we're playing all these games. You know, if you remember how it works, you get a bunch of tokens. And you go to the different games, and you play, and if you get tickets, you get all the tickets, you get, get all these tickets in a bucket. And then you take the bucket, and if you remember the end, you go up to the machine, and you feed the tickets in there. It's awesome, because it's like a, an, an animal's eating this mach, these tickets. So it's like, ow, ow. and I'm just feeding this stuff in, and I'm like, looking at Lily, I'm like, Lily, this is unbelievable, the amount of tickets that I won us during this time. And so we're feeding it in there after it's all said and done, 875 tickets. I look at her and I said, dear, I said, forget the redemption counter. We're buying this whole store. We're taking this thing over. So we get all these tickets, and we get a little thing that tells us how many uh, points we got. And so we go up to the counter and I said, hey, I, I want that PlayStation that's up there on the wall. I-, I want the PlayStation, come on, this is a deal. I spent $120 I- and now I got these tickets and now I'm gonna buy that PlayStation. She says, sir, that PlayStation's 87,000 tickets. Like, ma'am, I spent $120. What can I buy with 875 tickets? She's like, you can get a whoopee cushion and a kazoo. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. Like, that's what you can walk away with. Like, I spent $120 on this thing. So I look at Lily, and I have this moment, and I'm like, this is going to be great. This will be a teachable moment for my two-year-old. I look at her and said, Lily, you don't need those things. I said, those things aren't, you're going to, those things are going to be lost in just a second. How about this? What if we take these tickets and we give them to another kid and that other kid will then have multiple tickets so they can buy something nice. Now, I wish this is the part of the sermon where I could look at you all and say, my daughter looked up at me and said, pastor, (laughs) Reverend Aaron, I, I just, I fully confirm what the Holy Spirit is speaking through your life at this moment right now. I'm in agreement with that. How many know that is not how it happened there in the Chuck E. Cheese lobby? No, this two-year-old drops to the ground. She rolls on the ground. I won my kazoo. I won my whoopee cushion. And as crazy as it sounds, that's exactly what we do in life. Where God tells us there's a way of doing your life. You're going, no. I want to be in control. And there's a word for this and it's become a dirty word, but it doesn't need to be a dirty word because I'm going to show you the problem, but I'll eventually show you the solution. And the word is this, it's called sin. And this is what sin is, by the way. Sin is just doing life our way instead of God's way. So it's us saying, no, no, I'm not going to listen to you, father. I'm not going to do it in your house. I'm going to go and do it my way. And when I do it my way, then I'm just going to make sure that I'm in charge. You see, I don't think this guy had a great problem. He had a control problem. And that's where sin walks into our life. And when it does, there's always another side of this thing that the enemy won't let you know about, but I'm going to let you know about today. And it says it like this in verse 15 about the time his money ran out because eventually that fund you're having is going to run out. A great famine swept through the land and he began to starve and he persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Talk about the low of a low in life. I want to ask you a question at all of our campuses today. Do you really believe he thought this is where he was going to end up? Do you really think that when he took that money from his dad and he set off to the Las Vegas of the day and says, I'm gonna live it up. I'm gonna have a good time. Do you really think whether it was weeks or months or years down the the road that he had this vision of his life that goes, I can't wait. If I do it this way, one day I'm gonna end up in a pig's pen eating their food. There's no way he planned on this, and that's exactly how the enemy works, and it's exactly how sin works in our life. Because what it entices us with is glamour. But what it ends up giving us is destruction. Write it down. Number two in your notes is this is simply this that sin always overpromises on fun, but it always underdelivers on fulfillment. Haven't we all experienced this? It's the the teenager. Well, I can't wait to get out of this house. I I see what they're doing on Instagram. Man, it's so fun. I'm going to really be able to live it up. And then you get out of the house. And you have to get this thing called a job. But it looks so fun from the outside. It looks so good from the outside. That's exactly how the enemy works in all of our lives. It looks so. get away from church. Oh, why do you want to be under that? You don't need to be under spiritual authority. How much money would you save if you stopped giving? Stop doing your stuff. You stop serving. You have your weekends free. Go do it on your own. You don't, you don't need that in your life. And the enemy's drawing us away and drawing us away. And there's a great draw of people that have been pulled away during this pandemic. And I feel called by God to say, it's time to come home. It's time to come home. God's calling you. It's time to come home to what he has for your life. <laughs> you ready for your one-liner? Here it is. Because sin will always take you further than you want to go it's going to keep you longer than you want to stay and it will cost you way more than you ever want to pay and i want you to remember it because every time you feel enticed and you feel drawn and you say but it just looks so good out there married to one person the rest of your life but it looks so good to just sleep around be very careful Sin always has a consequence on the other side, always has something that, even though it looks so good there 's a day that 's coming that I want to give you a challenge that if you 're not careful that you 'll find yourself up in a pigs spin in life and you 'll think it 's all over. I want to teach you a word today that um, that 's in the hebrew it 's mentioned about twelve times in the old testament the old testament 's written in the Hebrew. And me and uh, Pastor Daniel, you know, we did this doctoral program together. So me and him both, we only read the Old Testament in Hebrew, in the original language. That's just how that's not true at all. Okay, so neither of us know Hebrew, and if he tells you he does, it's not true. Okay, so no, he's smarter than I am. But uh, there's a word that is a Hebrew word that um, I believe will change your life. It was presented to me when I was a teenager, and it's really defined my life. This word will keep you from sin. It'll keep your legacy intact. It'll save your marriage. It has helped me sustain decades now of following the Lord. And it's one word that'll change everything. So if you don't write anything down, you better write this word down because it's a word that I want you to drop it in random sentences this next week. This is going to make you look smart, okay? And here's the Hebrew word. It's pronounced like this, Aharit. Ahareed. Okay, now we're gonna do, say it together. I know you're writing it down, and you maybe never heard this word before. It's nowhere in. You can't read it in English, so you got to know it in Hebrew. And so, um, in, in in Hebrew, the way you talk is you have a little bit of a. All right, so I understand we're in a COVID world, so maybe keep this on a little bit of a lower instead of a where you're spitting on everybody. Okay. Still not appropriate to spit on people ever, all right? So, so we're gonna practice it together. and, and it, it goes like this: Aharit. You ready? Say it out loud. Ready? Aharit. All right, do it one more time, but I want you to get a little bit more of the ah- in it. Ah-ha-rit. All right, ready? Aharit. Ready? One, two, three. Ah-ha-rit. Oh, very good. Okay, very good. All right. And here's what it means, okay? It's simply the definition is this: it's the end result or the consequence. This is what the word means in Hebrew. The actual wording is defined as this. If you you learn Hebrew, it means that which comes after. That which comes after. So I want to show it to you. It's mentioned about a dozen times in the Old Testament. It'll define your life. Ready? Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. It says it this way. There's a way that appears to be right, but... And there's the word, but it's in English. I want you to see it now in, in Hebrew. But in the Aharit, it leads to death. In other words, there's that which comes after. There's the consequence, the result of what you're going through. And the result of it is actually death. But the difference is it looks good, but it's not good. And if you knew the end, you wouldn't do it if you knew how bad it would be. It's the Aharit. Let me show it to you again. Proverbs chapter five is one of the most famous passages on adultery in the Bible. And it says it like this. We're going to get real intense for just a second, and then it's going to end really high. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight. Then you may be able to maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For, look at this, the lips of the adulterous woman. Ooh, she looks good. Ooh, she's dripping with honey. Oh man, she, she's telling you all the right things. Look at, the, look at this next verse. For the lips, they drip with honey. Her speech, uh, let's, let's put it in 2021. Her DMs are smoother than oil. Talking real to you guys today <laughs> uh, l- 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 men men you 're not exempt from this you 're not exempt from this M- men, the way the way you, oh man, he just talks me, he, he says everything I wish my husband would say. Oh, he's so strong. He takes care of us. Oh, he makes so much money. Oh, look how good he is. Look at the attention he shows me. And you look so good. It looks great. But verse four, because there's always another verse four that comes after it. But the Aharit, there it is right there. In the Aharit, In the end, she's bitter as gall. Let me tell you that next time that girl tries to cheat on, I mean, look at you and, you know, seduce you a little bit, go, she's bitter as gall. She's gall, man. Get some accountability. Any, any gall around you? Come on. You, we want to make sure you understand she's sharp as a double-edged sword. What does that mean? Verse 11, look at this. At the aharit, at the very end of your life. The final consequence, that time you're on your deathbed, when everybody's talking about you at your funeral, at that moment, you will groan when your flesh and your body are spent. And haven't we seen this in our friends and our family? Where they make a decision. And they leave their spouse or they they tank the business or they steal some money. And by the time it's over, they go, oh, man, I never knew it would end up like this. I never thought it would make my kids hate me. I never thought it would remove me from ministry. I never thought it would bring on this depression and this anxiety. If I would have known, I never would do it. We all are in that same boat. And I want you to get this, ready? Because your enemy's primary strategy to destroy your life is to deceive you from the aharit, the consequences of your decisions. That's the fact. And what he does is he says, man, I'm gonna just deceive him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him think that nothing's ever gonna happen. Nobody will ever know you went to this site. Nobody will ever know what's going on behind the scenes. And he's setting you up, for a terrible aharit. And I just want to help you today because I sit there across the table from families where dads are confessing things to their children and and children are confessing things to their their siblings and and they're groaning and they're crying. And I go, man, if they would have ever seen this, they would have never made that decision. I sit with pastors, just recently sat with a pastor who had to admit to his spouse, admit to his church, Moral failure. Pastor Daniel and I, we we, we walk through these situations all the time. And I actually had a moment this last time that I'm walking through a pastor in this moment where I remember sitting there and just seeing the agony on his face as he's confessing this sin and really just at a place where he's at the bottom of the bottom. And I remember looking at him and going, God, let me never forget the look on his face. Because that's the aharit. If I would just remember that. Come on, you know how it is when you sin. You know how bad you feel. Can you imagine if you remembered that before you'd sin, you wouldn't sin anymore? We make a decision to go, okay, I'm going to walk in freedom because I'm not going to put myself in a place that the enemy is trying to drag me to to bring destruction because let me remind you, he's very good at showing you the bait and he never shows you the hook. He wants to hook you because he's got destruction in your path. He's got destruction in your path. It's an intense message for the middle of the summer. Let me show you. This is reminds me of the Aharit, okay? This is a way I remember it. Okay, look at this sign right here. I think we got a picture of it. Right there, okay? <laughs> Come on, how many know what it's like? You drive by, that sign is flashing. It doesn't no matter what day you're on on your diet, you're changing everything. You're just pulling there. Come on, put me on the conveyor belt. Let me just roll underneath that glaze. To God be the glory. Take me, oh God, that's I, I just like, it's crazy. I, I'm a big Krispy Kreme fan. Love it, love it, love it. Do you remember what you feel like afterwards? Do you remember how bad you feel after three or four or six of those things? Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> They're so good going in. And then afterwards, here, here's my, my, my idea. My idea is if I knew and remembered how I felt afterwards, I would never buy them again but my body's really good at deceiving me. (laughs) That's exactly what the enemy does in your life. Can I just encourage you? Remember the Aharit. Remember the final consequence. Remember the result. This will save your life. Remember what you want your people to say about you at your funeral. Remember how you want to be a person of integrity. Remember how you want to get be married till the day you die. Remember that you want to be a person that people respect, that they don't have to lie about you at your funeral. Come on. Remember that God's got a call in on your life. Remember that you're not called to be disqualified from this thing. Remember there's a plan for you. Verse 17, and here's the good news, because I think there's some people that you've messed up pretty bad. You're at the pig pen, but look what happened in verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, I'm so thankful for this part of the passage. This, by the way, is where the Holy Spirit is involved. And I believe he does it all the time. He quickens our heart. And at the low of the low, he gets us to where we come to our senses and we go, I got to get back into church. I got to log back on online. I got to get back connected. The Holy Spirit is still in the business of bringing people back to the Father. So you might be in a dip today. Here's some good news. God's not done with you. You're still a plan. It might look over. It's not over. You got a pulse. God's still got a plan, somebody. I'm believing it over your life. So he came to his senses and he says, even at home, the hired servants have enough food to spare. I'm here dying of hunger. I'm gonna go home to my father and say, father, I've sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me as your hired servant. He made a crucial decision here. Notice his crucial decision was, okay, I gotta get myself out of this pig pen and start fresh in the city. No, he knew how crucial it was to get back to where he needed to go. Write it down in your notes, number three, if you wanna get help, you have to come back home. It's not something you do yourself. It's not something, listen, you didn't get yourself into this mess, you can't get yourself out of it. You can't, you, you, listen, it's, it's destructive. Sin got you into this thing. Our flesh got us, we can't get ourselves. we can't just, I'm gonna pull myself up by bootstraps and get us going, no, 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 no. No, God's never done that for us. We don't have to get in that place where we have to do it ourselves. We can understand that there's a place. So I don't know what it is in your life that's kept you away. Maybe it's church heard or, or God didn't answer a prayer that you wanted a, him to answer. Or, or maybe you think like so many other people think that, man, I'm gonna get my life together and then I'll come back home. And no, that doesn't work. Listen, you don't get your life back together to come back to God. You come back to God and he puts your life back together, somebody. It's the God that we serve. And notice the term he uses. That's why we read the Bible slow. It's all so rich. He says, if I come back, I can be a hired servant. There was three levels of servants in that day. There was the bond servant, which would be the manager. You're almost like an owner of the house. In my mind, you would have what we call refrigerator rights. Come on, how many know what those friends are? So like, if you come over to my house and you just try to walk in and and go to the refrigerator, that's weird. We don't know each other, okay? But there's some people in my life, they just show up and they just like, grab stuff. I'm like, okay, you're family, basically. That's a bond servant. That's what Paul talks about in the New Testament, that he's, he's a bond servant of Christ. Then there's also a regular servant, which means you're basically an employee. You're part of the thing. You, you get the benefits of the organization. You get paid time off. Come on, that's like awesome. And, and you're, you're, in a, you're a servant. But he says, no, no, if I come back, I'm gonna be a hired servant. Hired servants, the lowest level possible in that culture. Here's what it would connect with today. It's, it's your 1099. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? It's the, it's a, you're, you're on our team, but you're paid by the hour. We're going to sub it out. Like you're, you're, not even, you're not even connected with us. You're not getting benefits. You're not even connected. And this is what this guy did. He said, I'm going to come home, but I'm going to come home, and I'm going to come home, and I'm going to go to the lowest level possible, and hopefully I'll work to prove myself. And I've just come to encourage someone in here today, God doesn't got no 1099 employees, okay? You're not in this thing to go do some work for God. Galatians tells us, you are no longer a slave, but you are God's. Child, And since you are God's child, God has made you also an heir. Can I encourage someone in here today? You might've been gone for decades and decades and decades. You're not coming back as an employee. You're not even coming back as a manager. You're coming back as a son and daughter of the most high God. That's who you are. I wrote it down this way. God didn't save us to be his employee, but to be his family. That's what he wants from you. He wants family. And, and I think this is so crucial for us that we get our mindset right. Because if you come back and you go, well, if I give enough money and if I serve enough, then God will be happy with me. Let me just tell you, at life point, giving and serving and attending, all of that is not what gets us into heaven. We get into heaven because we are heirs with Christ. We are sons and daughters of his. But out of that, guess what? We're gonna give and we're gonna serve and we're gonna attend. We're gonna do our part because we are glad to to be part of God's family. You just say it this way. God did not save you to get something from you. He saved you to do life with you. He's not after something you have to offer. We don't have anything to offer Him. He's after you. You're His son. You're His daughter. So then it goes on. So when He returned home to His father... While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and grabbed the largest belt he could find in the closet. (laughs) Come on, I'm I'm sorry. I'm trying to work it out of my life right there. (sighs) Filled with love and compassion. No, he ran towards his son and he embraced him and he kissed him. I have such a hard time with this part because in my mind, this, this son deserves punishment. I think punishment, God doesn't think punishment. God's just ready for you to return. So I have good news for you today, write it down. Number four, simply this, that God has not canceled you. In a world that cancels everybody for every wrong thing that they've done 20 years ago. And the problem with that is that we think that that's what God's gonna do. Well, he's, he's gonna, we're gonna come back and he's gonna, he's gonna go, oh, tell me what you did in Decapolis. Who, who are you around? What about on this day? Are you sorry for that too? No, 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 God has not canceled you. Look what he did in this passage. He had compassion. And he runs toward you. What a beautiful picture of who our God is. If you make it a point to say today that I'm done with where I'm at, I'm done with this sin, I'm done with this life that I've chose, I'm going back to God, I have good news for you today that when you take a step towards God, God runs towards you. That's the God that we serve and we need to celebrate him for it. That's how good he is. That's how much he loves you. son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. By the way, can we just remove the idea that you're not worthy out of your mindset? This is some like weird, humble thing that we try to do of going, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. For some reason, we think that God died for trash. God did not send his son be crucified on the, on the cross for trash. No, he doesn't look at you as trash. He sees you as treasure. For some reason, he thought you were worth it. So I want you to know that. Remove this idea. Whenever you think I'm not worth it. No, Jesus thought you were worth it. He thought you were worth his life on the cross. So I'm not going to buy into this idea that I'm not worth it. No, he thought I was worth dying for. He thought it. father said to his servants, quick. That's a great word right there. Rapidly, right away. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. By the way, can I just give you a little insight here? At least in my house, the finest robe would not have been my kids' robes. Stop not bring me this, the other son's robe. Stop not bring me mom's robe. No, 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 the finest robe in the house. Guess what that father did? He gave him his robe. His robe, which by the way, that's the gospel. The gospel is that though we are smelly and we've got pig's mess all over us, when you make a step towards God, he takes his robe off and he wraps you in what is his. He wraps you in righteousness. He wraps you in sanctification. He wraps you in justification. He gives you what is his. Get that ring. Those sandals on his feet, come on. Kill that calf, you know the one we've been, we've been waiting on? We've been waiting for a big moment to celebrate. Let's kill that one. We're gonna celebrate with a feast for the son of mine or that daughter of mine that's watching online right now. You've been away from the faith for a decade. You've been kind of doing church but you haven't had a relationship with God. He was lost, but now he's found. So let the party begin. Notice it didn't say, so set up the penalty box. Now y'all might not know that reference. We we in Tampa Bay have the thing called the Tampa Bay Lightning that are on the way to the Stanley Cup, but yet again, we just get tired of winning in Tampa Bay. Um, so you've made a flaw, you, you messed up, go to the t- penalty box. Oh, is that big? That's two minutes. right you've been out for a while okay you're going to come back you're going to sit on. you can't sit here anymore you got to sit way up there if you're going to come back because you're you're in the penalty box for it we do this we're going to see if it's real or not i i don't know where we got penalty box christianity from how long did it take this dad to see that son to make a decision and say from the pig spin, we're not going from the pig spin to the penalty box. We're going to the pig spin to the party. That is the God that we serve, by the way. He doesn't go from this place of going, well, we'll see. No, 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 no. You take a step towards God. Let me just tell you, he's going to usher you in to the greatest party called Christianity where we're going to celebrate you. We're going to rejoice together because we truly believe God changes lives. It's time to come home. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to sit at every location. I want you to keep your eyes open, your head up, because this is the moment. Man, I feel the presence of God. I don't know why the Lord told me to preach this sermon except that I just believe there's dozens of people who are prodigals, who have just chose their own way. And it's not, we're not here to shame you. We're here to be the welcome party. We're here to be the welcome party. We just want to celebrate you. And if if you're hurt because other churches have shamed you, that's not life point. This is a place that welcomes sinners to say, you know what, you're coming back to our Father. This is the perfect place for you to be. Don't get cleaned up first, you come. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a moment where I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to dozens of people across Virginia, all online and he's gonna call you to come home today. If that's you on the count of three, you're that prodigal, you're that person. And you go, Aaron, I'm ready to get out of my pig pen. I'm ready to follow God. I'm ready to do God, life God's way instead of my way. If that's you on the count of three. You're gonna to stand to your feet. You go, well, this is a big deal in front of all my friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. You left in front of all of them. You might as well come back in front of all of them right now. We're not here to shame you. Some of y'all, the enemy is going to try his hardest to talk you out of it. Don't let him talk you out of it. He knows the path that he's got you on is a path of destruction. Let's do it God's way. On the count of three, you're going to be bold. You're going to stand your feet and say, today's my day. It's time to come home. It's time to give my life back to Christ. One, don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Who cares what your friends think? One, two, three. If that's you, stand to your feet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Stay standing, stay standing for just a second. Man. I don't ever do this. I didn't do this in the earlier services. But I believe there's three more in this room right here. That's you. Holy Spirit speaks. You stand up. Right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, we're not going to leave them standing alone, because the God that we serve, we party together. So they just made the best decision, so let's stand to our feet. Come on, let's worship, let's sing it out, go. why don't we all make a decision today no matter how far we've drifted over this last 18 months of this pandemic so many of us we've we just drifted from just being a part of god's family let's just, let's just come back home why don't we all make this decision together in a moment of surrender you know surrender in the world's perspective means you lose you're in battle you surrender you lose but in god's kingdom when you surrender you actually win so, so we look at surrender as the best thing possible. So, in a sign of that, it's just our hands lifted. Whether you stood or not, why don't you just lift those hands and surrender today? This is your fresh decision to come back home. And I want you to repeat this not just from your mouth but from your heart. Say, dear Jesus, today I make a decision to come back home to you. I give you my past, my present, and my future for the rest of my life. I'm going to follow you. You are my Lord. And you are my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, can we celebrate all of our campuses of lives that are changed for eternity. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the Lifepoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.